a sweat just to cash checks. Working from sunrise to set. Every day get challenged. No trades Uh, great. Well, welcome to the Mistakes Were Made podcast. Again, we are back. And, uh, yeah, we are. To, with me tonight, right now, is Rudy. And we're going to be joined in a little bit by Joe, hopefully, from uh, Cheated Fates Radio. He's going to come back and say hi to us. We hope. He's on baby duty right now. Not yeah. like duty. I mean, maybe duty, duty. But it could be. Neither of us will. Very well could be. Uh, <laughs> I might ask. I got no, uh, you know, I got no reservations. Yeah? No standards. I'm an a-hole. All right. Anyway, sorry, please continue. So uh, when no, Joe does get back, we're going to... We're going to do some uh, debating, hopefully. But until he does, why don't we just talk about uh, some announcements? Maybe some games? Yeah. Do you have any announcements? I've got some of those now. Uh, I don't know if I have any very good announcements. Like, my announcements at this point are... uh, There's a Dead Man's Hand tournament coming up uh, in the middle of uh, October up in Seattle, which is going to be awesome. Uh, The TFL League has officially started, so if you haven't if you're not a part of it, it might. I mean, it's probably too late. But uh, there will be there will be a tournament at the end of it all. Though that's also for TFL participants, so it's not really a thing that's worth announcing. Well, awesome. Uh, but uh, I'm excited about it because I'm in the league. It's gonna be a good time. Well, good for you and your budding Malifaux community there. Uh, <laughs> so shout out uh, to the East Coast for starting the TFL league. Go ahead. Uh, I'd like to say congrats to the Nova Open guys on running what sounds like a successful tournament. They yeah, had, Matt Stanley and a couple of uh, extra helpers. Some other mat, I believe. Game. There's two mats. Uh, I mean, HT? Is that, is that one? I have no Matt idea. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so congrats to them. And I think they had about like 46 players, somewhere in that range. Mid-40s. Nice. Cool. And they played um, enough rounds that they didn't need to worry about having a clear winner or not. Though, they also played enough rounds that the winner actually had a game in their loss column. Or wow. at least, they didn't win all of their games. I don't know if it was a game in the loss column. It might have been a tie. Cool. I don't know. Yeah. But, so, anyway. So that was fun. And then... Uh... Upcoming stuff. I don't. I don't have anything here. I'm gonna hopefully be playing the game in person with someone on this Saturday. I've got one lined up, so that's exciting. Nice. How long's it been? Since I played a game in person, by like two months. Yeah. I think I played uh, Tui in Tui in June or end of July. Nice. Or in July, I don't remember. It was the summer. It's all Are you playing with Tui again or Castellan? No, a uh, new guy, Andrew. Never played him Ooh. before, so we've been chatting, though. It's going to be fun. All right. Nice. So that's my exciting game news. <laughs> I've repacked my bag. I'm going to be playing Arcanist, I believe. Nice. I, I just actually switched out. back to Guild officially Nice. for a while. I mean, I've still got all my Thunders in the bag because I got Asami, and I'm excited to play her. But uh, I'm playing. I, I've chosen Guild for the league, and I uh, played Guild in our Henchman Hardcore tournament last on Saturday because I wanted to. I'm I'm trying to make it so that I'm actually playing Guild models again to get into the habit of playing said Guild models. So yeah, played a couple of games in Guild at this point. I think three or four, uh, not counting the hardcore ones, just to sort of get back into the swing. Yep. So yeah, I was I was going through some stuff. I was I have a small small bag that I packed up with my Arcanist. It was kind of nice. It's very low profile. So uh, I don't have a ton of those. So maybe I'll look at getting some more if I like them. But just something simple. Like I'm not playing enough games in person to really justify having like a huge model pool anyway. So it's like eh, yeah, I can just play what I want to play and not worry about it. Are you playing many games on Vassal? No, not really. It's been... Uh, kind of my, my new job is kind of like... It's got more, a lot more screen time than I used to, so 
coming home and playing Vassal just doesn't sound that appealing most times. Yeah. They're like, I'm on a computer for, you know, minimum four or five hours a day. I Probably feel that. averaging like six, and it's like, I don't really want to play on a computer when I get home. But that know, being said, there there were days when I would draft for eight hours and then come home and play Overwatch. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think video games is different too because you're not actively as interacting. Right. I think that's reacting because I, I do play to. video games like <laughs> still, but also just you know communicating. Like, Vassal doesn't like, take. I don't want to come takes home forever. and work on a television or play a te- watch watch TV. Wow, that was a very odd way to say what I was trying to say work on a television. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So that's the excitement in terms of that. Maybe now that I'm actually, there's a lot more going on and I'm doing less on the computer at work, so mm. maybe that'll help push me to do some vassal or yep. just keep playing games in real life, try and get a regular schedule going. That'll be good. Nice. Yeah. You know. I'm for that. Yep. It's the way to do it. Make a make a, a game night, you know. Yeah, I think I've got three game nights a week this minute right now currently. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that crazy. my my uh, schedule isn't consistent, which makes it, you know, I can't guarantee I'm going to have like Wednesdays off every week. Yeah. So that makes it more difficult, but we'll figure it out. Have you tried starting a? Uh, that open-ended Facebook chat with your players in your region? Nah, I'm way too lazy for that. <laughs> I don't have uh, Facebook Messenger on my phone, so... Oh, I can invite you to it if you want. My, my phone's been trying to get me to invite you to it forever. To Facebook Messenger, yeah, I yeah, bet. <laughs> yep. Send a Facebook message to Al. Do you want to invite him to Facebook Messenger? <laughs> I mean, no, I don't want to try and push that shit on him. You, you do that. That's your job. Yeah. Although my <laughs> this is so non sequitur, but my chat app for work actually I found out does do Facebook message like you can hook up your Facebook through it and bypass the Facebook Messenger service, which oh would be great gosh. if the app wasn't so terrible. <laughs> like it's really oh that's too bad. The really... Facebook app is actually pretty alright. <laughs> yeah, I should probably just install it. But... If only there was a way to backdoor your your official talk into the Facebook Messenger app, then you'd be okay. You know. I'm just going to do official stuff through the Messenger app. It's going to be great. Yeah. I'm not that worried about it. <laughs> Alright. Well, uh, did you... So you're playing some guild now? What is this league thing you tr- you keep talking about? TFL is it's I I think they call it the Total Fun League. I'm calling it the Total Faux League because it makes more sense. And there's a faux pun in there. And why would you never? Why would you ever not go for the faux pun? You know. Uh, so we're calling it the Total Faux League. Uh, it's it's it was started out east by a guy named Chris Weinstein, I think, and uh, they started it in just sort of their local area and then it expanded to their state and then it expanded to the entire northeast quadrant and now it's sort of all over the east coast and there were talks about doing it nationally and uh, there were a lot of talks with some people down south and a lot of people talks with some people out west and I was <clears throat> in those talks as sort of this Portland coordinator J- Dan Johnson Josh Cal, Chrissy Dubois me uh, Dan Miner up in California or Canada California Canada uh, we all just sort of had this this sort of meandering conversation about how we would do it if we were going to do it, and then at one point in time, it's like well, let's just let's just pull a trigger. So Chris uh, sort of got us the information on how we could do it, and basically all you needed to become a part of this was I think six players who could uh, say that they would play, uh, and fifteen dollars per player. And then basically what that covers is the organization for uh, three months of, of games uh, followed by a, a ranking um, program that sort of shows you who's at the top of each year division. Uh, some um, sort of swag. I think, there, I think there may be a deck in the works. There's definitely some um, uh, participation prizes and stuff. And it all sort of culminates. It, so the the games run two games in September, two games in October, two games in November, 
And then in the second week of December, uh, there will be a East Coast and West Coast final on the exact same day. I think we're doing it over two days, actually. Same weekend. The 10th and the 11th, I want to say, but don't quote me on that. I mean, do quote me on that because I'm on a podcast. And never That's not a weekend, I don't think, though. But um, <laughs> Not terribly important. December, no, December 10th and 11th, Saturday and Sunday. Really? Oh. Yeah. Cool. That's because look at me with the big brain. Anyway, uh, and so basically what will happen is uh, there were some talks about it being down in Portland. There's some talks about it being in sort of southern Oregon. Uh, but the number of the, the main the main bulk of the participants were in Portland, some in sort of central Oregon, and then up north in Seattle and Tacoma and Canada. And so they decided that Portland, uh, sort of being the host of some of the bigger northwestern games, seemed like a good place to hold the first West Coast Championship. So uh, there will be a tournament then. There will be a, a Grand Masters, like a, a West Coast Masters, for uh, the I think something like ten participants of the of the leagues. Depending on the size of your of your uh, area, you got to send one or two people. And uh, oh, sorry. And then there will also be a tarpist, part, blah, 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 participants tournament for anyone else who wants to make the trek out. And uh, those will run concurrently. Basically, it's going to be another excuse to get together with some friends, uh, drink some beers, and play some out. And and prove once and for all uh, which region has the best Malifaux players. Now, I think that there are talks for there be a, being a national TFL champion. Um, I think they want to try and set up a, 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 a East meets West sort of tournament. Uh, I don't know many details on that yet, though. That sounds pretty tough, you know. Yeah, right. It's like, especially if you're only going to do it for like ten people, you know, it's hard to it's hard to want to take a week off or a weekend and take a weekend trip and jump on a plane and go play, you know, three games of Malifaux and then come home. Um, you have to do it. At, you'd almost have to have to do it at like Gen Con. Yeah, yeah. Just to justify it. One of the bigger ones, exactly. Um, but I mean, each of those sort of bigger ones has their own tournament, so it's like. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then, How do you yeah. carve time out from the actual Malifaux tournaments that are going on there to do this mm-hmm. other thing? Well, it sounds like a good idea. I think, I think that a top twenty East Meets West um, Vassal League would be should be in order. That's where I'm at. Yeah, there you go, Vassal League. It makes perfect sense. Done and done. Cool. So yeah, sounds like. Just, just uh, suggest that, really. I might. I may. I may just have. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, So yeah, I've gone back to Guild. At this point, I've played uh, two games with McMorning because he was the one who I didn't play at all during my five games challenge, and he was the one I wanted to go back to the most. Uh, And actually, a game with Perdita, which I uh, felt very confident in. It was great. Which is really ironic because I think moving into Thunders and getting good at playing Jacob Lynch has actually made me better at playing Perdita. Okay, how so? Well, I I understand the relationship and the and the threat of of ranged violence better. Oh. And okay. <laughs> and at the same time, Perdita's crew uh, is an Obey crew in the same. They're both they're both um, high damage output uh, Obey crews. Now. Lynch can only obey enemies, and Perdita can obey anything, but at the heart of it, she's got a gun, and she can make people do what she wants on her activation. Um, I think there was one time during my game with Dita where I actually obeyed somebody else to do something else, Um, but mostly what I was doing was sort of shooting at people. I I did the the Frank with Diestro um, Abuela with Rapid Fire thing, so I was sort of trying to get Frank in, in contact with things that I wanted to be dead and then letting, uh, using a Perdita, and then letting Perdita and Abuela go to town on them and then letting Frank go to town on them, basically. It was a headhunter game, so it's like, I think I had one off-stringer just running two action, move and grab a heads. <laughs> it's a dirty trick. I don't love it. I love it. <laughs> And I had a hunter, which is the only thing I lost in the game, and he was great. Hunters are good. They are 
super tough and super versatile. And if Joe were here right now, he'd be singing their praises with me. They are uh, because I think impressive. he's the one who who taught me to love the hunter. Um, yeah, they're good. Yeah. They are not fun to play against. They got something else in there. Oh, I had the brutal effigy because why wouldn't you take a brutal effigy if you're playing a shooting master? Or if you're playing guild, right? The thing's awesome. There's, there's like one crew that I wouldn't play it in, but I still might. <laughs> yeah. He's... Maybe Nelly. I don't know enough about Nelly to make a judgment call on it, but Hoffman. The only thing that he gets when he brings it into Hoffman is that Hoffman can tie in somebody else and bring his shoot up. Because Hoffman's not going to be using his torch on anybody. Yeah. Well, that's, uh... Yeah, that is one of the, like, five guild models I own, so... The Brutal? Yeah, that's good. It's a cool model. I got the metal. Solid stuff. I, uh, picked it up out of a bin for three bucks, I think, so that was good. (laughs) I think I bought mine at 10% off from the, uh... From the... FLG... Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was necessarily that cheap, but it was pretty cheap. Yeah, they're good uh, stuff. There. So yeah, Arcanists—that's my my excitement here. I Your new GM put stuff in the bag and everything, which is good because it was before I was just sort of like showing up places and opening my bag and saying, "I guess I'm playing this" because I didn't organize. <laughs> that's what I've got. Moving. <laughs> it was definitely like put everything in random foam so that wherever it fits to move and then you know I haven't played really a lot or done much hobby I mean I've done a little painting but not a ton so mm. I had much, yeah, much my hobby's cause to uh, to do that stuff uh, but then uh, yeah just the other day I was like you know what I gotta put this stuff in this bag that'll help motivate and it did I pulled out you know the the dozen or so Arcanists that I remember playing regularly. And I think I have a few more that are tucked away that I have to search for through all my foam. But uh, those are going to be good. And uh, they still need some touch-up paint stuff, not very in-depth. So I think that might be my motivation to try and start painting again is just doing finishing touches on bases for Kyrus's crew. And, you know, just nice. not, there's not a ton of work left. Just, you know a little bit of like, oh, I should probably do like another wash on here so that this stone looks a little better and you know, try and go and fix like a thing here, but not nothing too uh, in-depth so hopefully it won't like You're be... not going to go hug one out or anything. Yeah. Like you're not going to strip it. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a ton of I just don't have the space to really justify that. I'm, I'm kind of thinking, like, I wish I had a third Arcanist Master, but realistically, the amount of games I'm going to play, it's not really that relevant right yeah. now. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, but just as a theory thing here, I've got, you know, uh, Colette and Kyrus, who should be my next Arcanist Master if I was going to expand. Who do you Colette think, Kyrus. If I were to, I mean, that's an excellent question. Yeah, I know. I if it, if it were me and I were playing Colette and Karis, what would I feel like I was missing? Probably a Ramos. Yeah, I could see that, definitely. Um, but knowing how I feel about Ramos, Lord knows I would probably want... I mean, I love Mei Fang, but mostly because of Ten Thunders, not Ironsides. Yeah. She's good, but I don't think she's your play style. Uh, maybe Mei Feng. Mei Feng sort of plays a little bit like Masaki. They're, it's nothing alike, really. What are you talking about? Well, one of them they're... is a really good master, and one is... Is Mei Feng? A, a mediocre <laughs> example of... <laughs> a mediocre um... reproduction. I'm just saying, one of them led the Ten Thunders, and the other didn't. <laughs> uh, one of them has a box that is literally called The Thunders <laughs> <laughs> and the other one is Mayfair some slight appeal to me the problem is that I have already proxied Kang and I have no interest in rail workers so I don't know like I wouldn't buy her box I see. I think the rail workers are the unsung hero of Malifaux 
their 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 ability to zero action and gain a positive twist to their maybe double, double positive. I think it's a positive twist to their attack and damage through uh, implacable, which mm-hmm. is just insane to to go from a like potentially a negative to a double to a, to a single positive or something stupid like that. It's bananas. Though, if I were you and I was looking for like quick, simple gains, uh, I would probably buy large uh, steam reactants. Yeah, I could use those. That is for sure. Because they bring like a really good heavy hitter and scheme marker removal, which is yeah, really good. Yeah, I, I should look at picking those up now that they're available. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Like Ramos box, I already own Howard and Joss, so. <laughs> yeah. So well, then like, what you could do is buy the. Um, you could get the. The Ramos um, uh, Legacy Kit, where it's just the just the the Ramos Master from the old metals that have been updated to plastic, like they like they just released on the Gilders store. Yeah, but you have to have a Gilders to do that. It's true. I currently have That's one. True. And I don't see myself getting more. <laughs> uh, at least until you know the next time I go to a big tournament. <laughs> or a little tournament. If you like, you don't need to have a big tournament. You just need to have an active community. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's something to work towards. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think I, I got two from two events, and then I went and won one down in Medford. I'm at five now. Unfortunately, I don't want any of them as masters, so I've got to wait. Oh, so you can get me the Ramos. That's true. I could do that, potentially. Maybe do a little trade for, like, a Alt-Francisco. You know, Alt-Francisco is the one thing that I was actually potentially waiting for to spend Gilders on, interestingly enough. Well, I, I mean, so I that is something we'll have to that we can think definitely that. potentially do. Yeah, absolutely. How many, how many guilders do you need to get those guys? Five, exactly five. Oh, so perfect. You're already yeah. there. All right, well. Yep. You think about that and let me know. That could Done be deal. Cool. Oh, sorry. Well, let me, let me look that. at the sculpt, too. <laughs> That's the other <laughs> thing. Like, I was, I'm, you know, i got to decide if I want Ramos. Because there's other Arcanist Masters. Like. Right, and you'd also have to get a bunch of spiders, you know. There's nothing wrong with that. I like little mechanical stuff. Like I, I do like. I don't dislike those models. I think the main reason right. I didn't get the boxes because I already have the two big models. It's like I'm not going to spend whatever forty Justin bucks Howard's or fifty yeah. bucks for. There are a lot of people who buy the Ramos box just for Justin Howard because they're so good in everything. Yeah, yeah I, I had the medals from somewhere. What about uh, I, I Rasputina, man? You know, she uh, she got some new tech in Wave 4, too, you know. Oh, like, yeah? uh, Ice Dancers are real good. They're also good for Colette, so that might be a good crossover for you if you're interested in it. Very it's good. not a bad idea. Well, there's some options. Need. The Ramos sounds very appealing in that I just need to buy, like, uh, little spiders and big spiders, and I could probably do it. Does he need his totem? Is that, like, a, a must for um, you know, a lot of people. A lot of people. There's a lot of people do the electrical creation, don't they? For the weird electrical creation isn't a totem. You you can sell. Oh, it okay, that right. Never mind. Um, but the the thing that the brass reactant brings is uh, the ability to reactivate something, which is potentially really good. Oh uh, yeah, it's not so a really low that. number. But yeah, this is refreshing my memory from a a game that we played years ago <laughs> <laughs> with a reactivating rail golem. And yeah. uh, in a Mayfang crew. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I remember. <laughs> and then we got halfway through, and I was like, uh, that's a totem. <laughs> oh, talk about it. It's all right. I'm really bad at checking people who play against me's lists and thinking yeah. about them. I We found this out when I played at uh, Adepticon two years ago against a 65 Soulstone list in a 50 <laughs> Soulstone game. Didn't realize until after the game was over. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I, I sort of I had a feeling like about halfway through I'm like this feels weird something's off because I was just you just have so much stuff what is I up with getting, that I had Nazaki and I was just assassinating everything and it was just like wow have I killed 
25 soul stones worth of models and he still has five models on the table <laughs> they were big ones they were you know like, like i've killed a rail golem and howard langston how is that <laughs> that's half your list yeah but they're still they're still <laughs> But Kang is still there. Like, I see Jaws. him. Like, <laughs> it was definitely. I mean, this was the Sunday morning, so you know, I I'm might not have been in my best on form. both sides of the table, probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a good memory. <laughs> yeah, this was when I so drove, I... drove out for one day of Adepticon. So, oh, right, right, right. Back when that was, you know, a nice four-hour drive. So I had one other thing that I had that I could report on games-wise. Okay. And that was, I went to a hardcore tournament this last Saturday run by Scott Rackham. Yeah. Rackham. And uh, it was cool, because we, uh, we we basically have two stores right now. We have a, a bunch of players who go over to the Portland Game Store on Tuesday night, and we have a bunch of players who go to the uh, Guardian Games on Friday Night Foe. Now, Justin has sort of a, one of our, one of my locals, one of the Guardian Games guys, has sort of a spotty record for weekend stuff because he plays role-playing games over the weekend. Uh, and Dan has been... Uh, he, he goes into summertime mode where, like, he all he cares to do ever is play uh, Ultimate Frisbee. Not Ultimate Frisbee. Go, uh, Frisbee Golf. Frisbee golf and real Disc golf, and that's golf. all he does. Disc golf, yes, thank you. Uh, so so he he just doesn't play Malapo over the summer, basically. He can't. I think I've seen him maybe three times this summer. Um, because he just keeps playing disc golf. So anyway, uh, the the tournament was six people strong, and it was uh, mostly people from uh, the other store. Uh, and uh, so it's cool to to sort of meet some new folks and, and play some 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 quick games. Uh, I went with a tried and true guild list, which was Sadir and a Hunter and Frank with Wade in and the Brutal Effigy because why well, don't you ask the word Effigy? Uh, and I won one game. I got trashed. Um, one of them was against a, a list that came down to a lot of bad luck, like flipping, red, getting Red Joker on the hit and getting Vlad Joker on the damage. It was sad. Um, and that was, I think, Oh, Haguro Batari was the master. There was a Jorgumo. There was a Yokai. And there was a... Burr... Something that I... Another Yokai, which I killed very quickly. Which is why it didn't. It ended up not mattering. Um, and that one came down to uh, I couldn't put Ohaguro. He was able to sort of run Ohaguro away until the the way that the way that that charge worked was he could sort of run away uh, near the beginning of turn two or three, uh, and then and then wait until the end of my turn because I couldn't get around the corner and, and successfully mount an attack, and then he could just charge over the top of a mountain. Um, so it was it was well played, and that was the the to uh, Scott was the one who put that hurt on me, and it was close. Um, if I had gotten a better uh, uh, positioning in one of those two rounds, I might have been able to take her down. But uh, my second game was against a Cassandra list, and it was a Cass I, I he was already locked into his list, otherwise I would have suggested it earlier. But he was a Cassandra Arcane Effigy uh, Corfi Corfi. Imbued protections, and I would have obviously suggested the silent, silent one spam list. <laughs> uh, so I, I played against that, and he was he was still pretty relatively good at the game. I think, including the game he had played before that, I think he was still at maybe six or seven games played total. Um, so I I gave him the best advice that I could give him on, on any given turn, and uh, I got insanely lucky with my flips. I think I dropped Red Joker damage on him three times that game, uh, all from flips. And I played against a Rusty Alice list, which was kind of cool because Rusty Alice and uh, Rusty Alice has the the, the anti charge, which is neat. All right, so yeah, you played Henchman Hardcore. I should probably look at doing that. I played against a Rusty. Yeah, you're talking about Rusty. Archivist? 
Yeah, the Rusty Alice was crazy because Rusty has the anti-charge aura and the Hodgepodge effigy has this uh, soft cover aura. So it's like shooting was harder and you couldn't charge and so all you could really do was sort of try and move in, at which point in time um, she would punch you in the face or rapid fire on you. If you stayed out, she rapid fired. And if, she, if she let you get close, she punched. And then he brought um, Johan who just sort of went to town if he got close enough to any constructs. And Greed? What's the outcast Crossroad 7? Greed sounds like the one, but I don't I think it's Greed. It's the one that looks like Lemmy. But his thing is all about if you cheated during your turn, you have to discard a card or take two damage. Mm-hmm. It was like, so I'm not allowed to discard. I'm not allowed to cheat anymore. So basically what I would do is I would, if I had someone who was outside or if I needed to do anything, I would discard things for things. Like, oh, I'll discard for rapid fire, for flurry. I'll discard for defensive stance just to sort of use them. And my hands were all shitty anyway, so it was fine. Uh, and he snuck out a win on that one. I ended up having to either uh, accept a rapid fire on Sadir and try and shoot, which I was better at, or rush in and try and punch so my hope was to rush in, do some damage with my sword, and then if she tried to do her focus in one punch on me, I could cheat a high mask and get repost off, but he had Red Joker in hand, so he just smushed me. Uh, so I lost that one. And then the last game I played was against Ben, and he was playing a Rezzers list that I had seen before in another iteration, and it was as ugly as the last time. He was playing uh, Mortimer as the henchman, Sebastian as the as a hire, Abel as a hire, and a Rafkin with transfusion, I think. And his move was Mortimer flings rot to give things poison. And as soon as he has that on someone, he will lure that one thing in. And uh, and then it will activate nearby Sebastian, and Sebastian will do three damage. At the end of the turn, it'll be near Sebastian, Sebastian will do three damage, and uh, it just killed it killed everything, you know. So he just basically sort of hunkered down behind some rocks, dropped under cover, just like the hodgepodge uh, creepy mist, to give himself extra range defense, and then just sort of waited it out. So I was like, you know, I can either let him pull me in and pick me off, or I can focus and shoot, or I can charge. So I tried to go for the charge and try to take Mortimer out. And at which point in time, Mortimer's like, okay, cool, let's do this. I'm melee seven with a shovel. Yeah. And it was it was, it was all over. Counter-charged. Uh, uh, so, the, yeah, the bell was a good touch, lured things in really well. Um, I think I killed Rafkin by yanking him out with a hunter, and so he spent his first turn running away. And then he, and then the hunter charged in and, and murdered him on the second turn. But uh, yeah, Ben, I think Ben got seven points out of seven points in all four of his games that day. Well, he was on fire. Impressive. He was on fire. Yeah. yeah. Cool. It sounds like a nice little list there. Hmm. If you have better guild henchman hardcore lists, send them my way. I will take it. <laughs> I'm trying to think of any guild list I've seen for Henchman Hardcore, and I'm not. The only one that I saw that I remember being, like, is the one I saw at Califo that came up against mine where I, when I took second, which was, my list was basically what I just said, which was, no, I think I had Judge instead of Sadir. But the list that I went up against was Ryle, Francisco, a Peacekeeper, and a Clockwork Trap. Yep. Sounds legit. And it was just all about like shooting and clawing, and, and then if something got close enough, they flurried. And that was it. It was gross. But they only have three activations, so you had to do something kind of early to even it out. Fun oh. stuff. Is Joe back? No, he's not back. Is he coming? Yes, in? I'm back. Hey! What? How long have you been there is the real question. <laughs> 15 minutes. Wow. Holy crap. That's a long time. I typed in the thing that I'm back. Oh, I see that now. I don't have that available for some reason. Welcome back. In my view, I don't see it. I you have to click on the, the little uh, is, text yeah. bubble up on that. See, there you go. Yeah. They've updated. Sorry, Joe. Well, they've updated the uh, <laughs> software here, and now it's not oh. like this is the new Hangouts experience. It's slightly different if you guys didn't notice. So, what's your henchman hardcore guild list, Joe? Oh, my henchman hardcore guild list. Um, typically, I run. 
uh, Judge Greed, uh, which is the guild one, and she's the one that attacks Soul Stones. Pride was the one that you were talking about earlier. Pride. Okay. He's the one that looks like Leonard Skinner. No, no, no. Lemmy. Lemmy from... I'm uh, sorry. Uh, Lemmy Krasinski. Uh, so, uh, Judge Greed. I like taking a Death Marshal, even though I shouldn't. <laughs> for and, one more point. Oh, I guess if you don't have the room for the points. What else can you get for six there? Oh, you can get an Ostringer. Oh, yeah. But the Ostringer... Typically is, what I throw on the next slot. Well, the problem is the Ostringer either has to be so far that it doesn't count for um, the Turf War, or so close in that it's really, really threatened. So maybe a Warden. That that comes in at Yeah, six. Warden wouldn't be bad. We'll throw a Warden in there. You know the other cool thing about the Warden? If you activate it late in the turn, you can punch people out of Turf War. That's true. Shit. I yeah. totally did it wrong. We're going back. <laughs> Let's try it again. The next time the Henchman Hardcore tournament. Yeah. Three Wardens and uh, and the Judge. <laughs> Perfect. The All Judge right. lets the Wardens who have, uh, who have targets that have activated already punch again. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> You guys ready to do some debating now? That mean I, yeah, do you want to send me uh, topics and I can let you and Joe debate? I've already sent them to you, I think. But uh, oh, have you? In an email or not? No, I shared them with you on Google. But uh, <sighs> since I have them already up and we're approaching midnight Central Time here, why don't you guys okay. just do this one and I'll jump into the next episode and do some debating since I'm cool. Sounds good. And I've already read I've written most of them. I've got some good suggestions from Joe and Mike. Uh, but uh Did you hear did I did I pass along Ray's because I will be remiss if I don't pass along Ray uh Ray's suggestions for debate club. Yep, you did. They're in there. Okay, good. Anyway. <laughs> uh, oh. All right. So, do you guys want me to randomize? If you guys want to pick, I feel like I should probably randomize. Hey, just randomize it. Yeah. That I actually finally put away my put my cards back in my bag so that I'd have a a deck for when I play Malifaux on Saturday. <laughs> so excited! Way to randomize. There's your problem. <laughs> uh, I have a coin. That's what we'll do. That'll work. Yeah, yeah. Do a coin flip. All right. Uh, so let's decide who's going to take the pro on the first one. I haven't decided what debate you guys are going to do, but we'll uh, flip. <laughs> Heads, Rudy is the pro. Tails, Joe is the pro. And it's tails. So Joe, All right. you'll be arguing the pro. Okay. Joe has always been the pro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, that would be a good one. We won't save that one for the next debate. A quick silly one here. This will be fun. Just while I, I orient myself. This one shouldn't take more than a couple minutes. So uh, this is the debate, and Joe, you're on the pro again. Okay. Should you use a gourd as terrain? <sighs> Obviously, you should use a gorgeous terrain. We are getting into the fall season. A gourd is a symbol of plenty, uh, and hopefully you're playing plenty of Malifaux, and if you have a gourd <laughs> on your board, obviously uh, you are celebrating the bounty of uh, the harvest as well as the bounty of playing Malifaux um, in a competitive setting. Additionally, with the advent of... Tatiana, the Queen's Return and Tatiana's crew, we have um, a Fae-themed uh, group that are all about autumn. And so I think that now you really have a compelling fluff reason to play with a gourd on the board because you're simply empowering uh, the the autumn Right. You know the Knights of Autumn and all of that. All right, Rudy, your uh, your opening statement here. I I think that if you're going for a table state, 
that wants to depict a level of heroic conflict and uh, and battle uh, and realism that that the sort of miniatures world uh, and Malifaux sort of as a subgenre of that world. Uh, Pumpkins very, very infrequently get that large, and so even even a relatively small, you know, six or seven inch gourd is going to be just ridiculously large in the scale of the game. And I I think that that would for me take me out of the 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 realism, you know. And then on top of that, gourds aren't particularly hard, but they're also not, you know, they they're not going to stop you from looking through them like you can't see through a gourd but a bullet would pass right through it do you make it hard cover do you make it soft cover does it get to be blocking i think there's just too many questions is it climbable uh can you can you destroy it you know there's too many questions that that can be asked about said gourd it's going to raise so many issues that uh the gourd on the board is just going to be you're going to spend too much time sort of debating it in fact i'm glad we're having this debate now so that we can decide definitively whether the gourd should be on the board, and under what conditions and what uh, describers we put on that gourd, if it gets to continue, which I don't think it should. All right, now we're into back and forth. Any, anyone <laughs> want to rebut anyone's arguments? <laughs> well, I'm going I'm to rebut the argument that you can see through a gourd. Have you ever held no, a you gourd cannot. up to your you face? You, you obviously cannot. Exactly. And and therefore, it is a blocking terrain piece. Sure, but it's now, not going to be hardcover. It's going to be softcover. Why, right? why wouldn't it be hardcover? Because the bullet can go right through it. That's the point. Right, like it, the reason well, it depends that... on what range the bullets is coming from, and the and the and the nuzzle, uh, mu- muzzle velocity. Okay, all right, <laughs> magic bullet Joe here. It's, it's going to tell me that a that a piece of fleshy fruit is going to stop uh, a fifty caliber from Seamus. Well, nothing stops a fifty caliber from Seamus, but that's <laughs> a debate for another time. What we're talking about is whether a gourd, again, a symbol of plenty should be on your board to celebrate the holidays. I mean, Sam Han is coming up. Um, obviously, we're celebrating the Queen's return, particularly in the Neverborn. And just think of all the festive things you can do, um, like painting your gourd. You can have jack-o'-lanterns on the table. Again, another type of gourd. Um, very thematic uh, to the Malifaux setting. So maybe... Uh, instead of degrading the gourd and saying that it is not worthy of a place on the terrain scale, obviously we should be using them because they are plentiful, they are cheap, uh, they block line of sight, as we can plainly see, and then you can assign whatever additional cover modifiers you'd like to assign to them, depending on the muzzle velocity of the the weapons at all. Joe, I'm going to ask you uh, an Ian-style question right now uh, as, a re- as a rebuttal. How, how do you feel about pumpkin spice lattes? <laughs> I, I'm not opposed to a pumpkin spice latte. Yeah, that's what I thought. Right. <laughs> I, and, I think, and I think that speaks for itself. All right, I think, I think that he is trying to push the now. pumpkin spice agenda. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Great debate there, guys. I think we have solved that issue. Not, I don't think we have. I think we should probably circle back to it. <laughs> I'll save that one. I won't. I won't delete it from the list. And revisit it. We should probably. You probably. You should. That should probably be the warm up every time. Yeah, I'll just do that. That'll be the every debate. <laughs> Next time I'll be pro. That'll be fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's move on. This one we're not going to do one about a model. Let me decide pro and con again. Uh, I'm going to flip the same way. Heads for Rudy. Tails for Joe. Oh, that was bad. It was head. So, Rudy, you're the pro. Right on. Uh, cool. Ooh. All right. So this will be fun. Hannah is a top five henchman in the game. Ooh. So you're arguing the pro, Joe. You have the con on this one. Excellent. And uh, that's actually ready, very interesting for Joe. I think Hannah is a top five henchman in this game. Uh, I think that Hannah has a lot going for her. Uh, she's really an interesting utility piece while also being a relatively decent beater. She's got a great 
level of survivability. She has uh, a lot of flexibility in the fact that she can not only borrow from her, her crew, but also give a lot to it. The most important thing I think on her card is her ability to deny suits, which is so important against some matchups, like being able to strip uh, an extra suit off of casters or summoners. So they can't summon if you can sort of push them down their throat. Um, her, her melee attack uh, is, is both good uh, for, for quality of hit and amount of damage. She's just a really well-rounded piece that, and the, and the most important thing of all is she brings arcane reservoir in any faction that you're playing. So she has, she gives card advantage. She can be anywhere you are. And she can both deny important things to her opponent and take out really heavy. She can hit way outside of her cap, her her cost class, which is impressive because she's a little expensive, but well worth the stones. Pro Hannah, sorry. All right, go ahead with your your All right. statement. In in response, Hannah is a very strong henchman. However, I would argue she is a top ten and not a top five. Mm. Um, Hannah's cost is the biggest downplay to her. Additionally, uh, with the advent of Wave Four, we see model Wave Three and Wave Four. We see models like Anna, uh, who are starting to outstrap her sister because she's more cost efficient. Uh, does something in every faction that is even more powerful than stripping suits, which is denying placement. Um, you've seen the rise of greater hitters. Uh, at lower cost. Um, in Wave 4, you see something like uh, Fiona at cost 8, hitting nearly as hard as Hannah does. Um, again, more specific to, to a faction, Hannah's versatility comes at, the, at at a ginormous cost, which is why I keep her right around that 6 to 8 mark as opposed to directly in my top 10, or directly in my top 5. Mm. Um, additionally, you have entire factions where what she does is virtually redundant. Um, in in Neverborn, it's very difficult to want to take uh, a Hannah simply because every other henchman that the faction has has uh, opportunity to is going to outshine Hannah in that particular faction. Um, you see a very similar uh, event in Ten Thunders. Um, you see a very similar thing in Gremlins, where more of the thematic pieces are going to fit and knock them and knock Hannah out of the top in that particular faction, thus knocking her down overall, uh, particularly in the factions that I play. Now, if we're going to be talking like <laughs> Resurrectionist, we're going to be talking Outcast, absolutely. She's, she's number one with a bullet if you're playing either of those factions. But in the whole of the game, there's at least five models that outshine her. Anna being at least Anna being one of them. I think the wave four was a low blow, my friend. No, uh, <laughs> I, I think I think the cost efficiency is an interesting point um, because I don't remember if it was a conversation that you and I had or if it was a conversation that me and Jeff had. But the idea that you you sort of get what you pay for, you're going to find better you're going to find people who are better hitters at lower costs. But are they as survivable or as flexible as Hannah is? Um, the idea that what she does is redundant, that may be true. You may find people who are better specialists than she is, but you're not going to find any better generalists than she is. I think that the thing that she, the thing that she does is uh, a, a quality amount of everything, and that's sort of why she's so important. Um, you don't, or not necessarily important, but such a good fit in, in such a, a wide variety of cases. If you, if you don't need someone who just strips suits like a Sue, you can bring her, then you have a Sue and a, and a tough beater. Um, yeah, I just think that, I think that she can do everything well, as opposed to doing one thing great. See, to me, I would rather have something do its job and do its job incredibly great than having a giant bucket of versatility that I'm paying almost a third of my army for. Mm. In actuality, it's about 20%, about 20% of my army for. So I'm dedicating to almost 20% of my points in any given game into being okay at several things. Her best attribute is that she's a bucket of wounds that is very difficult to take down. However, if you have anything that denies healing uh, or you can take out the support components around her, because I would argue Hannah is not just her points. She's points to also have some form of healing within the list. 
Um, again, resurrectionists because of their abundance of, of healing attribute. Um, a few other factions, uh, again, outcasts with their access to librarians. Uh, you're seeing, again, you're paying more to keep Hannah upright, but you're paying more, you're paying more of your list to have Hannah operate. And in that case, it really, it almost dysfunctionally doesn't matter what your master is or what they're doing. It's more you're building a list to force Hannah down somebody's throat. And while it is a great trick, I don't think that it is a top five trick in the game because it is so expensive to run. Mm. All right, Joe, here's the final closing state. I w- I'd like you to list your top five henchmen then. All right, my top five henchmen. Uh, number one, Hannah, is Barbaros. <laughs> no, that's your when your turn. <laughs> Barbaros, okay. Uh, number one, Barbaros. Uh, number two, Anna. Uh, number three, uh, Huggy. Number four. Oh, sorry, I don't mean to. Go ahead. <laughs> You'll get a chance, Rudy. You'll get to rebuttal. Okay? Number four, uh, Victoria Blood. And number five, uh, Lord Chompy Bits. Really? Three three of your top five are Master Pacific? I don't think they should even get to count as henchmen. <laughs> it's not fair. They're, you, like, but they're henchmen like, designation. That, that's fair, but at the same time, to say that Lord Chompy Bits is one of the best henchmen in the game... If you play Dreamer, and only if you play Dreamer, right? But I could make I can make the same argument that Hannah's real ability shines the best when she's playing next to Von Schell. Sure, because she can she can steal the zeros, which are great. Um, do, wait, does the does the Hodgepodge emissary gain uh, free Corman when it's underneath Von Schell? I know that there are some where they get the they get sort of the classification of the crew that they're joining, but I don't yeah, know if that's one of them. To it, but, uh, okay. Rudy, while we're doing that, what are your top five henchmen? Then? Man, this is not uh, a question. I'm, I'm, you know. It's interesting because it, it's 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 tough. I think it's tougher for me than Joe because I didn't go through the uh, the, bra- the bracket so bracketology. Second. I'm letting you, letting you a second also, so you didn't name really good ones that Joe could then steal. Yep. Oh man, I think I think Barbaros is up there as well. Um, I think Francisco is up there simply because of the number of people who can take him for good use. Uh, see, may, maybe that's the other thing is that I'm less looking at who's like best point for point and pound for pound, but the the people who are are who see table time mo- most often. You know, uh, I do think Hannah is actually up there. Um. Oh man. Uh, he does not gain it, Rudy. He does not. Okay. Well, yeah. that's that's probably for the best, actually, because um, Hannah Frank Barbaros, uh, Sensei Yu, Joss. Sure. <laughs> All right. I think Anna probably is up there, though. And a problem. The problem is, I don't. I I, I don't. I haven't done. It, I haven't seen enough of the new stuff to really have any sort of. Um, and I haven't got a chance to dig into it since since release because I didn't buy the book. And the new henchmen. There are new henchmen, yeah. So. Yeah, I I don't think Ohaguro is top ten. I think she's really good in her crew. I think that she can be good in some other crews, but I don't think that she's you know. Amazing. the The coolest thing that she does is give masks to uh, other oni, and unless you're playing an oni heavy list, that makes less uh, sort of weight. It's not as it's not as heavy. But if you are playing an oni heavy list, it's real good. I found out today that it gives uh, Amanozako uh, an auto trigger on her uh, stealing health uh, trigger. All right. Well, that's good because oh, Amanozako should be there too. No, what? (laughs) And you just instantly lost the debate, Rudy. (laughs) Yes. He named five other models. D D Amanozako is not anywhere near a top five list. (laughs) 
Anyway, <laughs> my feelings on her aside. <laughs> so that's our new, that's one of the ones, the, the top five thing I think is a fun way to do those. But let's give you guys one more. This one's going to be another way less serious one because that one was pretty intense there. <laughs> it's really, Joe, were you one of the people who put Hannah at the top of the of your recordology list? And no, I was the since? one arguing against her. Ah, okay. <laughs> so that's actually okay then because I was worried that you were you were having to play against your thing. If we're if we're if the cards are on the table, I'm not a big I'm not a big Hannah player. Like I don't own her. Own her that's I part put of the fun teams. is that you you have to argue it no matter what. Like you know. yeah, right. I the thing is I own her, but I haven't built her. Ah. And a, a big portion of that is in playing so much Neverborn and now playing more Guild. She doesn't fit well in those factions. Have you heard of Adam's uh, crazy card draw list? Yeah, I've I've heard of it, but you can get it's one more card than I can get normally with Lilith. When she's when oh man, it was it was awful when he did it. It was like if he burned a stone to draw cards, he would literally look at a quarter of his deck. Yeah, and, but again, Hannah in in that combination, I'm paying almost thirteen stones for one card, and the ability to cast um, uh, trees off of. Uh, Lilith's activation, like the, that's the other big thing that she does. I think is stealing stealing things that need to happen to free up Master's AP is good. Um, yeah, but Lil- the thing is, Lilith has two zero actions she can use, and the one upgrade that you're going to take with her anyway. Well, you which can't I'm cast a zero action unless it's a free cornman, But the fact that she gives you steal. gives you instinctual, so you can cast them both. Mm. So again, in a Lilith list. Hannah is only providing one AP, mm. or is is only providing one additional card than I can do otherwise. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. Let's uh, move on to the third and final debate. I'm gonna flip the coin one last time, and it's tails. Plastic. It is plastic. So I am. <laughs> I am con. I am pro again. Yeah, Joe is gonna be arguing the pro again here. Uh, which is perfect because I feel like this will be right up your right up your uh, alley here and and a thing for your heart, Joe. Uh, okay. This, so this is a suggestion of uh, of a model that Weird should make, and you're going to be arguing that it, they should make it and it would be the best and amazing. And that model is misconstructed, a gender swapped flesh construct. As the Miss model, Gen twenty seventeen. <laughs> Absolutely, this model should be made, and it will be amazing uh, for several reasons. One, uh, a f- female flesh construct has already been illustrated in the fluff. Uh, it helped with heists uh, for Seamus uh, in the Molly story, where Molly is watching Seamus and, and helps interrupt his plans before she goes and has uh, girl power time with uh, Kirai or Kidai or depending on, on how we say it, I got to say it right on this show. No, you don't because I was told that I wasn't allowed to by <laughs> the, the powers that be, the shadows that lurk in the addicts. Fantastic. I my ways because of you guys. <laughs> oh, so, uh, saying, Ian is bigger so than any, anyway, to, to get back onto it, uh, <laughs> a flesh construct is such a vital piece. You need multiples of them. They already have a few alternate sculpts, but to have a female sculpt, one would be incredibly empowering to uh, more of the gender equality that Weird wants to see in its game, uh, both on the tabletop and across the table from you. And having a Female Flesh Construct is just a, a huge opportunity for some amazing-looking conversions, uh, some amazing paint jobs. You can do Bride of Frankenstein. Um, it helps flesh out um, a McMorning crew a little bit more. It fleshes out Nico. I see no downside in a misconstructed model. All right, Rudy, what do you got? I agree with many of those points, but I think that the superior Miss model would be the gender-swapped executioner that has been teased both in the Through to Breach 
books and in uh, the fourth book. Um, and I think that you could do that with Misjudged or Mistrial, uh, and that would be a superior uh, model for all intents and purposes. I think that the Executioners as they stand right now are both terrible models. The Flesh Constructs, while potentially a little unvaried, are good, decent enough for what they are. The Executioners uh, don't see a lot of table play, and I want to believe that it's because the models are terrible. Uh, and uh, the same points for gender equality would go for this uh, big badass woman uh, of the of the female executioner persuasion. I think that uh, in a perfect world we would get both of these things because we want all of the models and we want we're to have all of our monies. Uh, but if I had to have my choice for what would be coming in Gen Con 2017, at the very least it would be the uh, the female misjudged mistrial mistrial I think mistrial is better (laughs) (laughs) alright Joe care to rebut anything Rudy said there Uh, I am I am all for uh, as many mismodels as they want to make however misconstructed should be the first one that occurs because additionally uh, on the the economic side of it for weird is the flesh construct would be one of the first mismodels that they would have done that does not have a rarity limit. And as such, you have a greater opportunity for people to want more of them and therefore purchase more product during the times that it is available to get multiples of it, as opposed to having say 10, uh, misfires, where I'm only going to be right. able to field one. You know what? I I got to pull my horse from the race. This that is that is the that is the winner of the bay right there because you you are going to want in a perfect McMorning world five or six or seven uh, flesh constructs. <laughs> You're never going to want five or six or seven executioners. Yep, the market would be flooded with female executioners. Yeah, because I don't think it's just the model. I'm pretty sure. Come on, <laughs> they're great. <laughs> they're great. They're bad, they're good. They're good now. Their upgrade yeah. is oh, amazing. Yeah, I, I have gotten a few games in with them now, and they are phenomenal. It fixes uh, all of my like grapes. A plus, a plus to walk until they use it, and then they can use it to give them plus two damage for a turn or something like that? No, it gives them a one-action charge for a oh, turn. Oh, that's right. Which could potentially let them charge, kill something, and charge again. Yes. See, they don't need to be the miss model because of that. Thing is about the flesh construct is really there's only like the original flesh construct sculpt is not good. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. metal is it's because it's small and weird. One of the things I think Rudy you should have focused on though is that you know we have other big undead women that you know we don't want to distract from in civil. Mm. You know, <laughs> that's fair. Or like the the the. Uh... Valedictorian. No, I guess she's just on a big base. She's kind of lithe with great big wings. So that was our third debate. I think that uh, really, I can't decide on that one because I'm way too biased. But <laughs> are, you, are you biased towards wanting it? Because I think it'd be cool. I'm for it. No, yeah, really. definitely. Yeah, I think that that's one of those ones where it's like, yeah, there's there's a right answer to this, and. <laughs> That's the trick. Who won the debate in terms of just debating skill? I think in that one, definitely Joe Still, because I pulled out. You know? Yeah, you you did quit. Like quit. I I didn't. He he debated it too well. I couldn't. I couldn't come up with mystery <laughs> about it. Yeah. Some of these aren't. Aren't you know? You got to get better at writing the debates, right? The, the topics, you know. The yeah, the blanker the the blanker the question, the better it will be to yeah. debate. All right, All right, I gotta get to bed, yeah, guys. Thanks, Joe, for joining. Thanks, us. Thanks, guys. Have a good evening. Thanks for hanging out with us in the in the late late morning, <laughs> early early morning. Bye. So yeah, thanks for everybody for listening to uh, Mistakes Were Made podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Twitter at uh, MWM Podcast, I think. And yep. uh, if you want to be on the show and debate, then let us know because we're always looking for a third person now that Ken is. In the process of uh, finishing his wedding plans and getting married. He's planning his own bachelor party. That is pretty lame. <laughs> uh, 
Poor Sorry, guy. <laughs> on the bright side, here's here's here was his point on the topic. You know, at least I get to know that I'm doing all the things that I want to do. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It's tough when you move around a bunch, though, I guess, too. That's also true. You know, it's you've got people coming in front of town. Uh, but, yeah, so hit us up on Twitter if you have any topic ideas, if you want to just give us some feedback on the format. And uh, thanks. See you next time yeah. on Mistakes Remain. <laughs>